0: Welcome to Moments of Truth, the show about my favorite moments from my favorite things. I'm Bill Coffin, and today we'll be discussing Desert Island albums. Now, right up front, we want to be clear, this is not an original concept. In 1942, BBC Radio launched the weekly program Desert Island Discs. Each episode, a guest was asked to choose eight recordings, usually, but not always, music, plus a book and a luxury item that they would take with them to make life bearable as a Desert Island castaway. The program has logged more than 3,000 episodes since and is widely heralded as one of the greatest radio programs ever. The format has also launched a million conversations uh, since then, you know, such as what are the X number of books or movies or games or albums or whatever that you would take with you onto a desert island and why? it's an endlessly fun game to play and today we're gonna do our own version of it with Desert Island albums in which we'll be rotating through the albums that we have decided would make it to the all killer no filler soundtrack of our own personal Robinson Crusoe experience now we did have a few rules on this first a boxed set is not considered an album but double triple and live albums all are second best of albums are totally allowed but the fewer of them you pick the cooler you are third We all agreed to not pick any motion picture scores, since we had an episode about that not too long ago. And fourth, custom playlists are not considered an album, no matter how awesome they may be. Now, the trick with a conversation like this is how big of a list are we talking about? Desert Island Discs keeps it at eight, but we figured we are going to just hit the ground running and see how many we get through. We all showed up with a pretty long list of albums to talk about, but if I don't stop jawboning, we'll never get to them all. So, let's press play on this thing. With me today is... A guy whose college stereo system was so awesome it made me reevaluate my life choices, Chris Crenshaw.
1: The definator
2: is a great marketing idea, but it's really not a good speaker. We give it a 500% markup and a discounted 50%, so the customer thinks he's getting a good deal, and we still make a bundle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exhibit A and how hard rock music might have been invented in Chicago, but it currently lives on Long Island, Tom Hespos.
3: Oh yeah, we're gonna be talking about all the meathead stuff tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a man who, if he does not call out Billy Joel at least once during this discussion, I will call him out for the imposter that he surely is, Joe Pace.
4: You may be right. <laughs> <laughs> <Well played>.
0: and, <laughs> and a guy who probably won't call out the audiobook version of one of his novels, especially A Fire in the Night, available for pre order now on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold, as one of his moments of truth, Chris Swan.
5: We learned more from a three minute record, baby, than we ever learned in school.
0: Oh, that's from a teacher, y'all. All right. Anyway, moving along. Everyone, welcome. What we're gonna do is this episode is gonna be kind of in thunder round format. We've got so much music we want to talk about. And we're gonna go in the same order each round. So, Tom, why don't you kick us off on round one? Bring us your, you know, your first Desert Island album. Give us the name of the artist, the name of the album, the year it came out, and if you got a favorite track on it, why, you know, what it is and why you love it so much. Go. Ahead.
3: So, speaking of hitting the ground running, I'm going with "Fair Warning" from Van Halen 1981. As my first album, I say "hit the ground running" because that's a uh, one of the lines from "Unchained," which is probably my favorite. You know, just rock out track, one of my favorites of all time. But the album's just chock full of like Van Halen classics, "Mean Street." hear about it later so this is love like just you know like if you're a van halen fan these are more of like the deeper tracks but they're just rocking all the same and i absolutely love the album and i can't live without it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know i think it goes without saying that i i would think for a lot of us a lot of these albums are albums that we probably have listened to an awful lot and and we've kind of proven to ourselves that we can keep listening to them for eternity and not likely to get tired of them anytime soon so Replay value is always a always a significant factor when you're calling these things out. So, very nice, very nice. All right, re-
2: required for a desert island disc,
0: Yeah, I I, I would think so. I mean, you know, you know, when you're thinking about desert island albums, you, you start thinking like very practically. You know, like okay, yeah. like I need I need to maximize my amount of music here. So, where are some of the cheapest choices I can make? You know, I'll do all movie soundtracks. Like, I no, don't do that. Like, you know, just love what you love and bring that with you. Okay, you, can, you know, not not everybody not every disc can make it on the plane. That's how it's gonna go. So. Um, excellent. All right. Sacrifices have to be made. Absolutely. Yeah. But but that's half the fun with one of these is, is you're looking at like all right what can I live without forever and you're like oh that hurt to, 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 I've to learn that
3: we are cutting entire genres of music that are like very resonant in my collection out of yeah so, uh,
0: yeah of choices
1: <laughs> of like, choices right.
0: <laughs> excellent so 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 Van Halen Fair Warning 1981 outstanding album very very good stuff. All right, Chris Crenshaw, what have you got for round 1 of Desert Island albums? What do you bring with you onto onto the at the island? If you say Portishead I'm going to scream.
4: <laughs> and I'm not going to the island if that's Exactly. exactly. Nobody will share that island with you if you bring Portishead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you guys don't
2: want to make out.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I wasn't told that, we're <laughs> that makes are no, all That island. makes no sense this to is, me. This is yeah. <laughs> Not for like the
0: seven years till the boat comes, man. My lips will get chapped. I mean, I can't.
4: Oh, wait, <laughs> this, this parachute is actually a backpack.
2: So, you know, I, I was kind of introduced to the idea of Desert Island albums by uh, Kiss Alive from 76. That's this is not my this is not my disc, but that like as early as like seven years old, I was aware of the record you can't live without, you know, uh that 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 album so great then in 1984 within six months of each other brian adams released reckless and prince released purple rain purple rain like missed it by this much Me too. <laughs> yeah Me, it's, it's <laughs> i'm smuggling much. it in but yeah uh, <laughs> well, That's that, that, our future counselor uh, i love <laughs> i love that album so much and it, it particularly because it's it's kind of like the my first steps into like my love of funk King, King yeah. Prince. You no, know? uh, and by the way, I'm going in the order in which I encountered them, or, that's, that's or the cool. artist. You know, that's cool. In college, freshman year, Bill, uh, the guy across the hall, made me listen to Pink Floyd's "Dark Side of the Moon." <laughs> yeah, and, he, was an, he was an ambassador for the Floyd. And I got to tell you, I, 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 well, I still obviously listen to this just on the regular. It still makes me feel new things. Yeah,
0: yeah, and
2: yeah. And, and I love it.
0: I, I would have been fairly thunderstruck if somebody had not picked that that out. It's such a stalwart. I mean, It, it was on the charts
2: for like 30 years or something.
0: Oh my god, yeah. It charted forever and ever and ever. Like entire entire nations rose and fell in the time <laughs> it took for Darkseid to get off the charts. You know, it was just insane. So, good stuff. Alright, Joe Pace, what is your first album for round one of Desert Island albums?
4: Yeah, I have seven albums I'd like to discuss on my turn. Um, oh, no, wait, I'm just going <laughs> to... Um, the the first album i'd like to talk about came out in 2006 um, so it's actually the most recent one on my list but it's probably the the most impactful album that i have have listed josh ritter's the animal years my favorite songs of his don't appear on it i actually like their songs of his off hello starling and uh golden age of radio that i that i um that i love but this is his most mature work that, that, that he's done to date and he deals with some really heavy stuff. You're talking 2006, you know, you're talking about Iraq and Afghanistan, those wars going on and other things. And the first track that is on it is something called Girl in the War. It's a song that uh, was on deep, heavy rotation for me while my wife was deployed in Afghanistan as an army doctor. And I must have listened to it every day and I can't yeah. not have that song and a lot of the other songs on that album that I love uh, with me. So that is my first pick.
0: Joe, I am so grateful that you shared that with us before we recorded. So I got a chance to listen to that, to that song in particular. Um, Cause man, I just, you know, as I, said, as I said in the chat before, like my swimming goggles filled with water when I was listening to that one. Holy cow. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful on its own knowing your personal experience and what it must have meant to you. And I, I kind of put me, you know, put me in a place where I can kind of imagine it a little bit more clearly, but Oh man, that's just a, that's just a terrific song and and really, really raw and true. I loved it.
4: I appreciate that. And I'll just say, this, I know that we're going to hit a lot that we do know, and we may hit some that some of us don't know. And that's yeah. kind of what I'm looking forward to tonight is to finding yeah. out some cool stuff that um, I may not have been exposed to before. And I'll use that as a plug to just say, if you're if you uh, if you're not familiar with, with Josh Ritter stuff, you're in for a treat because his um, his discography is really, really good. I think he's one of the best lyricists and songwriters out there today in the sort of folk rock genre yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you know, based off of Girl in the War, I you know, I, I definitely want to give him a deeper listen. Uh Chris Swan, what have you got for for round one of your desert island albums?
5: My introduction to Bruce Springsteen was oh. born in the USA. Wow. That is not that's not my album. I love that yeah. I love um, the misdirect. I love it. Oh man I I,
0: I <laughs> hang on, I gotta take the fish lick out of my mouth. One second. Oh there it <laughs> is. Okay. Carry I, on.
5: You know that play nineteen eighty four that was And from then on, I was everywhere in the radio and I'd heard Hungry Heart and I'd heard Santa Claus is coming to town uh, around Christmas time. But otherwise, I was kind of just vaguely aware that Springsteen had released other albums and then his live album Live 1975 85 came out. And that was in 1986. I'm 16. I'm just starting to kind of discern the different types of music and and that. There might actually be cooler stuff from back in the day uh, for some of these artists. My grandmother got the album for me for Christmas. I didn't know three quarters of the songs on the album. I didn't care. There's a (laughs) tagline on the album that says something like, it's the first live album to get a standing ovation in the living room. And that was about true for me because Springsteen, the album's got everything With his storytelling, uh, his chops uh, in terms of singing is not he. he, I'm a bad singer. I can sing along with Springsteen. So That's another reason I like him. Um, (laughs) He's not a good vocalist. No, but but he he knows his range and he plays well in it. His lyrics, his lyrics can be plaintive, sometimes lush. And and
2: and that man has has emotion in his voice. Oh my god! He he he, he sings the song right. Yeah. There are only,
5: the only three things wrong with this album. One is that all the tracks from Born in the USA sound a little weak compared to the older stuff, which is just raw. And mm-hmm. it's a little disconcerting if you think Born in the USA or Dancing in the Dark is the greatest song ever. Number two, there's not a live version of Jungle Land from Born to Run. Yeah, I don't know why. I almost picked Born to Run over that. Uh, the only third only problem with this album is it ends. <laughs> I'm gonna have to give a listen
3: What's your favorite track on the album, Chris?
5: Racing in the Street. It's an awesome song.
0: That's awesome.
3: All right. I love Thunder Road from that album. That's what
0: yeah. Yeah, Thunder Road is a great track. Yeah, that's a solid track. I, I'm legally obligated to say that I live in Springsteen country, so I live in Monmouth County, New Jersey, which is where he lives. So I, you know, I
5: awesome. like
0: Springsteen could literally show up anywhere you go. You could be like at, at the gym, and like he's there next to you on the machine. Like, whoa, Bruce. So it's mm-hmm. it's like that him and bon, him and John Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, they're everywhere, and it's like you have to be on your toes. And you know, you get caught saying something about them, and somebody will just come out like a ninja and cut you. That's like, it's like the, <laughs> the it's like the New Jersey way, man. So anyway, I'm gonna go with my all-time favorite album, and it is uh, it's an odd album. I'm probably one of ten people in America who really likes it, but I don't care. It's Oingo Boingo's Boingo Alive. Oingo Boingo is a very acquired taste. It's a very odd,
4: weird science on
0: that disc. Uh, weird science is not on that, actually. Believe it or not. But there one there were one of these goofball bands from the eighties that like people knew them probably from the music that appeared in movies, right? So like Dead Man's Party and like you know, Weird Science, that sort of thing. Their front man, Danny Elfman, ended up having, you know, this and continues to have this massive, you know, soundtrack career, right? Right. Just writing writing you know scores for things.
5: He was their frontman? Yep. Am Dude, I the only wrote, one in America who doesn't know this? Good he wrote God. he
0: wrote all their songs. He wow. sang on almost all of them. No, 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 no. That was like his band. Like That's he was awesome. like at the he was at the heart of that thing. I was at the Danny Elfman thing, but it was a huge band. There was like nine guys in it. I mean, they had like a full horn section. I mean, it was a it was a pretty big band and just a very odd sound. I fell in love with it in high school, you know. But oh, can, in,
2: you, oh, can you can you characterize yeah. that sound, please?
0: The, the sound is um okay. The sound <laughs> is the sound is a jukebox version of what a Tim Burton movie looks and feels like. Okay. That, that that's that's I kind of which is, is the reason why Danny Man. scores all of Burton's films, right? It, no it's it's like you know what actually let me here's all you need to know okay they got their big break by being on the Gong show okay so wow. th- th- so their music there could you stand go could stand there for a little while and then it matured from there. It's like weird punk pop with brass in it. Boingo alive was a very odd album because it was it, their their band was 10 years old at that point. So it's a double live studio album. So they recorded it live in the studio. So there's no audience there, but they basically just did the whole thing apparently in just one take. I mean, you you, I mean, you can hear them between songs. They just they just go through their repertoire. It just covers their entire selection. And it's like at this point like some of the songs are much, you know, older and there's they just kind of a put a new polish on all the music so it's like every song in this is an improvement on the songs that appeared in the earlier albums and this is the album that basically i just stopped listening to the rest of their collection because this was the perfect iteration of it and i just listened to this all the time you know my favorite tracks in this would probably be obviously dead man's party which is the one that everybody knows but i just i just remember listening to it and it was so different i was like what wait wait what is this it's gonna be you know a totally new sound and it was if i could only take one album it would be this album and it'd be great because nobody else would steal it from me because i'd be the only one listening to it so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's that all right on to <laughs> on to round two uh tom what is your second choice for desert island albums
3: uh we're still in the albums i can't live without and uh pet sounds is definitely one i can't live without um bravo uh
1: like such so you know, genre. I grew
3: up with the Beach Boys in the house, but it was like my dad playing a lot of their, you know, more like surf-oriented, like earlier stuff than Pet Sounds. And I had this sort of like rebirth with the Beach Boys when I first started listening to this album, which was you know in high school, and I was like, yeah, they were my first Oh my concert. god, it was so sophisticated uh-huh. and so like it made you really realize how much of a genius Brian Wilson is. It's like yeah. his magnum opus. Yeah, um, and nice. it just happens to have my favorite Beach Boys tune on it, which is "Wouldn't It Be Nice." Uh, I love that so song; it's, it's just so terrific. You know, like yeah. I always took that as like. You know, guy like sitting down with his girlfriend, and they're still in high school. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we could just, you know, do stuff together instead of having to go home at like ten o'clock, and yeah. you know, we could stay out all night and everything? Like, who hasn't had that conversation with like a girlfriend at some point? You know, like, it, yeah, it's just uh, such a classic, and I love it. I love the vocals on this album. I love Beautiful. just so much, like the yeah. arrangements. That you know. The odd key changes that wouldn't work for anybody but Brian Wilson, like I, I just I, I love it. It's, it's such a fantastic album.
4: And God Only Knows is on that, right? Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 is. yeah Well, that's yeah, my favorite yeah, off of that.
2: It's my second favorite, and John B, which is mine. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I tracks I had written down oh.
2: record, yeah. oh, so good.
0: I will say this: I had never listened to this album until earlier this year. Oh, I wasn't certainly when this podcast got going. Because when we, when we did that episode on concept albums, and we were t- I know we were—I was looking at all different kinds of concept albums, and and that that came up as perhaps the first concept album, right? It, it's a contender for, if not the first one of the real earliest ones. 66, and um, yeah, yeah, I was thunderstruck by how good it was. Like I knew how good it was, but knowing it academically and experiencing it, tasting the goods for yourself is is quite different. And I was like, holy moly! There's a lot going on here, especially compared to music of the time. It seemed like it was just a quantum leap ahead of what a lot of other people were putting out at that time. It's just an, an
2: amazing piece of music.
0: All right, Mr. Crenshaw, second choice for, you know, your choice for round two of Desert Island albums hit us. Between
2: 1995 and 1996, I moved to England. Lived in Bristol, which is where a band called Portishead is from. I was introduced to Portishead. I fucking knew it. In 1996.
4: <laughs> and, 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 and,
2: I was introduced to Radiohead.
4: That's a lot yeah. of head for one week. If you, if you, <laughs> I, I, I don't don't think I don't think I didn't <laughs> notice that.
1: And 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 it was more like
2: seven months. in England. both these bands made huge impressions on me. Portishead, you know, kind of like continued that Prince theme to me. It was like trip hop, is what it was, but it, mm. it had that that mm-hmm. the psychedelia a little bit of Prince. Yeah, yeah. Radiohead was really the big one, and uh, just just you do it yourself it was on the radio when I was in England. That one struck me like a a bolt of lightning and it's it's a hard rocker i was like this band is awesome i saw the video and i was like oh they're also like cool (laughs) and (laughs) that became for the longest time my favorite album and then and then of course radiohead releases OK computer which is even better and then kid a which is even better and amnesiac which is about as good as kid Kid a and it, and it keeps going. Radiohead just sort of became my favorite band. And when I think about them, they're obviously going to have to be one of my Desert Island Discs. And I think the album I most can't live without is In Rainbows. In Rainbows, famously released uh, online.
0: Oh, that's right. And yes. And the, uh, the,
2: the band said, "Here, pay what you want for it." For me, peak Radiohead. It's, the, the music's really varied. There's no, there's no style to this album exactly. It has two of my most favorite Radiohead songs ever, uh, Reckoner, which is my favorite, and then All I Need, which is uh, the most beautiful and pathetic love song ever. Yeah, That album took me to a hard place uh, in my life. I, I still listen to it like, you know, at like the
0: much respect for the albums that have gotten us through rough patches. We all have them, I'm sure more than a few will be mentioned in tonight's uh, broadcast. But yeah, those albums they are special pieces of art, and they they occupy a special place in our heart. And I have immense fondness for them. So very good, Joe Pace. What is your pick for round two of Desert Island Albums?
4: Yeah, you know, uh, draft observers are, are a little you know confused that uh, this this group has lasted deep into the second round. Uh, but I'm gonna keep I'm gonna stay in England, and we are going to uh, visit four guys. And, and this album actually is not my favorite Beatles uh, songs aren't on it, but it's my favorite Beatles album. Rubber Soul is my favorite Beatles oh, album. A good one. 1965. I think it's when the Beatles really became the Beatles, when they pivoted from being sort of a yeah, pop yeah. boy band to being artists, right? I mean, to, to, to exploring and trying different things. Yeah, but for, sure. for me, it was when I went into college and I, I showed up in the fall of 93 to college and I had been in a tape world. And this was the first CD I remember like, holding in my hands. And my roommate had CDs and uh, we played that one a lot. And I just remember it being in the background a lot and I got to know the songs a lot. And it just, I just think it's a fantastic album. I love the experimentation with different sounds. Norwegian Wood is my favorite track. I know that it's not necessarily the most popular or the most famous Beatles songs uh, off of it, but I think it's, to me, it's their most interesting album.
0: I definitely hear you on the album where like the Beatles, as we think of them, really kind of became, you know, kind of came under themselves. I mean, there's like two Beatles, right? And this is like, this is definitely the yeah. opening of the second act of the Beatles, which is demonstrably superior in my mind <laughs> to the first act, which is no small thing. The only Beatles album
2: that I've actually ever listened to, the entire album, is the White Album.
1: Mm.
2: I love that album, but it's never made me listen to more Beatles, sadly.
0: I had a friend in high school who lived by the maxim that there, there's no mood so foul that cannot be cured by listening to 20 minutes or more of the Beatles. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wanted to check I've tested
0: that. And you know what? It, it's pretty, pretty on point. So, <laughs> all right. Chris Swan, what is your pick for round two of desert Island albums?
5: The Lumineers, their first album from 2012. One of my former students who is also a musician, I just heard this album. It's like if you heard it, he goes, "Oh yeah!" And he said, "Listening to the Lumineers, it, it's it's like one long song," and he meant that as a compliment. Yeah. Um, and I agree with it. It's got this genuine indie folk rock vibe without being pretentious. You, know, you listen to a song like "Submarines," which has got this percussive pounding piano and this rather silly story of a guy saying, swearing he sees a Japanese submarine off the coast, and nobody believes him. But it ends with. These lines. In the end, it boils down to credibility. I had none, so I will die with the secrets of the sea. Like, well, wait a minute. That's a, that's a twist. And the music changes. And yeah, I listened to the whole thing, painting something in my house a couple summers ago. And I just said repeat as soon as it was over, without really thinking. It was, (laughs) it was just yeah, it was perfect.
2: That's so good. I've Um, never listened to them, Chris. Thanks. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they, yeah. It, it, check it, it, this
0: out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've listened to individual tracks, but never, never a full a full album of theirs. But what I've I've heard was excellent, I, you know, and I kind of regretted not going back to them. So I'm kind of I'm really glad you brought it up. Likewise,
1: my
4: kids love their is it the ho hey I think yeah, the, yeah. Like, my yeah. kids love that track, which is you know kind of the radio edit. That's right? a,
5: yeah. yeah, that's a that's a radio song, and it's a good one. For me, the Lumineers suffered
0: just from from bad timing because they kind of came out right at like peak hipster. You know, yes, and we were driving through. Red Bank, and there's this hipster in like full regalia on the corner, and uh, and my son's like like Dad, what's that? I'm like, oh, that's a hipster, and Connor goes, he looks like a casual hobo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mike I nailed it, in one old, son,
0: bro.
4: my boy. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who was, um, was the—I think it was like in the early '90s. He was a hipster way before anybody else.
0: My late brother Tom was grunge before there was grunge. He was just grungy, you know. And there's like these—these <laughs> these like three years and he was like totally cool, and then like people like, "Dude, that looks old." He's like, "I've been rocking this since 1982. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm a rude boy. I just have poor hygiene and bad fashion choice, okay? You know. So, anyway, all right. So my choice for round two is going to be uh, easily my second favorite album of all time. I listen to this quite a lot, always have, always will. And I know this one will thrill our editor, Derek. It is Susie and the Banshees, and the album is Peep Show. This is one of their later albums. It came out in 1988. A fair bit different than a lot of their other stuff, especially if you listen to their older stuff. It's got more of a punk kind of vibe to it. This is definitely more dark, brooding, kind of tinged with the supernatural. But it's just got this fantastic sound to it. It was my introduction to Susie and the Banshees. Brother had just gotten and goes, you got to check this out. And I, I played it and it was just completely you know, mesmerized, I think would be the word. That, that's the spell I fall into when I listen to this. I just become mesmerized by it. And I, just, I just love the stories it tells. I love Susie Sue's voice. I love the sound they have in this album. There's not a bad track on it. My favorite track on it is the third one called Scarecrow. And it's just this great song about this person singing to this scarecrow that may or may not come alive at night. And I love that song so much, it actually inspired me to write a short story about it that I called Silver Stitches and actually was uh, a story that kind of kicked off my writing career in college. And so I am forever grateful to that album for that. It was one of those things, my little effort at a Stephen King type story and it got me going. And so uh, for many reasons, I love this album, but this one has a very special place in my heart for, for just that reason. But it's it's great. And I don't think they have a, a really a bad al- album, but this one is just, uh,
2: well, tell it. me more about Susie. I, I really have never listened.
0: Well, i tell you what. Derek is the real authority on her. Um, yeah. Because no. <laughs> this is the thing with Peep Show, and this is funny. That's um, why I haven't listened. <laughs> 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 don't, don't, don't hold that against Susie Sue, honestly. He's no, so it, 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 it No, you know what? Like Oingo Boingo, they sound nothing like Oingo Boingo, but they're like them in the sense that their sound is quite unique. It's not easily pigeonholed. It was not always radio friendly. I would say some of the earlier albums, things like Tinderbox, would be a good place to start. Maybe they put out one or two albums after Peep Show, but um, it was one of those sad old stories where I think their manager had ripped them off quite badly. They needed to put things, some things out to make some money, so the content wasn't wasn't necessarily the greatest. I would say if you listen to only one, listen listen to Peep Show. It's just I just adore it, really really like it. her voice is, has this kind of weird ethereal kind of lilting wail to it. I wouldn't say everybody would like it. I just i love it it's funny it's one of those albums where no matter how i'm feeling when i listen to it it brings me to the same place and that place is simply the way bill feels when he listens to peep show
4: i love that i know for a fact when bill goes my draft board is not going to change <laughs>
0: yeah 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 i cherish okay. that about you coffin i love it <laughs> it's only going to get worse from here
2: my man all right oh, yeah. joe i feel the same about you <laughs>
4: about <me? laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that was shade. That was, Ow, that was damn. Yeah,
4: yeah, you're right. Nobody, nobody's heard of the Beatles, you're right? Wow, no, the no, Norfolk no. Assassins. No, I was, right, was uh, going to be on my list. <laughs> All right,
0: moving on to round three, in which Chris picks Portishead head again. Uh, Tom, oh, watch, <laughs> why, 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 why? I'm going to pick Porter's head. I'm going to, I'm going to pick Porter's head twice so it can make out with itself. Why just sit there and watch?
1: <laughs> I, know the know Crenshaw, I know you, Crenshaw. I know you. Anyway, so
0: cool. anyway. Round three. Tom, what is your pick for round three of Desert Island albums?
3: Uh, You know, I may have told this story before, but like the first stereo that I got that was my own, I got for Christmas one year. And my uncle, who at the time worked at Woolworth, decided to go and get me like a bunch of tapes for it. He gave me, you know, Fair Warning and it had Women and Children first on the other side. It was like a dual cassette. That was like one thing he gave me. He gave me a Duran Duran album that I won't mention. And he gave me oh, this. Boom, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. yeah. No, no, no this is not. That. This is moments now, of truth. Not, not, yeah, not witness is protection is not program. This is pleasures. No, this is moments of truth.
4: <laughs> There's nothing guilty about Duran Duran. He
3: gave me uh, Regatta de Blanc by The Police. which oh, That's a good is one. Favorite police album. Mm with you know my favorite police song on it uh which is message in a bottle i love oh, yes yeah. yes i, how yes. I, I was yes. trying to learn to play this on guitar and it's just such a huge stretch um, i don't know how we do it. Andy oh, someone does God. it but uh so good. I, you know it, it was it was it came at the perfect time and it was just like to get an introduction to the police like when i was that young was mm-hmm. a, one of the greatest things that could have happened to me like i've seen them you know uh on, on that reunion tour and everything it was like oh. a, a My partner and I were like, it's a deal breaker. We got to lean on American Express very hard to get tickets to the one at Giant Stadium because uh, there was no other way in. Like you just were not getting in. So, uh, you know, we we went to that and it was just it was an absolute blast. There are a lot in there that are like contentious that um, could have. Been in the top spot but like if i'm going to a desert island that's the one i'm taking you're
4: walking taking on the moon you know, on there. oh yeah uh, no,
2: i'm curious the only these album i own is synchronicity where would that be on your list
3: i think that uh that's hmm. probably third
0: Okay.
5: It's, I, gr-
0: like it's great until you get to what is it,
5: something, mother?
0: You know, like something like
5: that,
0: yeah, but, uh, mother's weird. <laughs> is that is that, that Mother's is, hard to listen to? Isn't that Andy
5: yeah. Summers? Yeah, it's the, the one and only Andy Summers mother! song. Yeah. I wish I were Roger Waters. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Andy
0: Summers proves on Mother, like the
5: same reason why, why like Andy Ringo
0: Starr <laughs> got only one drum solo. It's like, dude, man, you've got strengths, this isn't it. So
5: stings <laughs> like you've had your one. Now stop, right? Yeah. That was <laughs> no, quit it. <laughs>
0: So. Oh, Tom, what would be your number two police album after we got a De Oh, goes the scene. I think of, you know, every yeah, little thing. Yeah, absolutely. Thing, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, that's so a funny. wonderful song. Mixolydian. Oh, ah,
0: yeah. so fantastic. All right, excellent. All right, Mr. Crenshaw, what is your pick for round three of Desert Island Albums?
2: In 2001, I was at the University of Wisconsin. I was listening, I was driving to my the uh, clinic I was I was working at that day, and when NPR heard a review of a re-release of a 1974 album by Shuggy Otis. It's called Inspiration Information. It's one of the best albums I have ever heard in my entire life. He recorded all of the instruments on this album. He did the vocals. I think he might've had a couple of backup vocalists as well. It was a one-person band. My goodness, it is just the most lush, and soulful funk you can imagine it's beautiful uh Shuggy otis wrote and recorded strawberry letter 23 it's on this album that was a million seller for another band who covered it and and it's better here i can't recommend it enough everybody should listen to it five times
0: i find like a musical rosary five
4: times i, I, I love i love that listening to chris's intros is like finding an online <laughs> recipe that you have to hear about their <laughs> spring in Provence, just, where they first experienced this food. No, I just give me so the. That's the because I'm going
2: chronologically,
4: man. I've got a theme. You should try it, Joe. <laughs> I am a themeless. I,
0: I, I just, I just, I just want Chris to start like going off the plot entirely, and it's like the Battle of the Somme, day five. I was there in the case of <laughs> Trenchfoot. <laughs>
4: we had stop exactly. shooting
0: at each other for one day to celebrate Christmas, but the war was back on tomorrow, and we all knew it. And that's when I put on Portis Edge. Exactly. <laughs> I just, just,
4: just keep
1: expecting. I was going to do it if you didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Chris, one more time. The, the the name of the artist is 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 who? Shugie Otis. Shugie Otis. S H U G G I E. Shugie Otis, and and it's the album is Inspiration. Inspiration information? information and right. I will that goes beautiful. on the list. I will check it out. Thank you. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Joe, what have you got for round three?
4: 1989, Don Henley, The End of the Innocence.
5: Oh, that's a good
4: one. I I, I find that that has um, three of his songs that I love, Heart of the Matter, uh, Last Worthless Evening, and um, New York Minute are all on there. uh, And End of the Innocence is on there. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's it's just a very, if you're looking for caloric density uh, on your album choices, this is one that fills that need for me. Very cool.
0: I never disliked Henley or the Eagles, for that matter. They sort of missed me with the Eagles. Part of it was the classic rock station I grew up with; they're on rotation, so I always heard I don't like a the little Eagles. bit of.
4: I am not a fan of the Eagles. I do like Don Henley and his solo.
0: I would say with the Eagles, I don't know what I'm missing because I never actually listened to a full album. So I've, I've heard. A right, nobody
2: has rocks. ever listened to an Eagles album, uh, <laughs> not, not since 1977. Excuse me. <laughs> You're no, no we're, we don't. We don't count greatest hits.
5: I'm not counting greatest hits. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, no, hey, Unicorn.
4: That's because it doesn't take you a whole Eagles album to get laid like it does with Portishead.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no,
4: Joe. No, no, Joe. It's, it's because you don't need. No, there's each. no comeback. If
2: it takes you uh, the length of an Eagles song to get laid, uh,
4: that's oh. <laughs> two or three times. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. Oh man! I, 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 need, I, need I need to hold up. up. I will say, in all seriousness, I saw the Eagles live, and they opened with Hotel California, and my wife yeah. and I looked at each other and were like, "Where do they go now?" Like I thought yeah. it how they closed. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but everybody, like when it got to they did Don Henley's solo stuff. Really and, interesting. Yeah, they did. They did a couple of those songs, and they were like they changed the arrangement. They were amazing, and yeah. everybody stayed, and everybody sang. When poor Glenn Fry played Smuggler's Blues, everybody hit the bathrooms so or the beer line. Wow! Really but yeah, oh, I mean, would know, Yeah. You know, okay. Rest, I like to report a murder. Rest in peace, Mr. <laughs> Fry. But no, every they they played. You know, uh, End of the Innocence and yeah. it might have been New York Minute. But everything you know, they played, It was great. Yeah, it was That's really.
4: I love the atmospherics of his stuff. Yeah, um,
5: yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, uh, uh, it
4: creates a very specific kind of mood. Yep. Like,
5: uh, although he sings a duet yeah. with Axel Rose in that album, which is a little weird, but you know. Wow!
4: If this is round three, it's not going to be perfect. Very cheap.
0: <laughs> Don, Don Henley and Axl Rose. That's like uh, I don't know. It's like <laughs> it's like the Man Thing and <laughs> and and Captain America team up to fight uh, you know Angra, the Screamer. Like I don't I don't know what to do with any of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's
4: like Billy Joel and Cindy Lauper. Yeah. you're yeah. happening here?
0: Weirder things have happened, so. Chris Swan, what have you got for round three for us?
5: R.E.M. came out with Automatic for the People in the fall of 1992. And I heard R.E.M., you know, everybody had in college, I had in high school. This sounded like the apotheosis of every college band that has now made it big and now they're kind of grown up. Um, yeah. And it was a big old fat nostalgia trip for me. It was being nostalgic by, you know, being away from college for all of six months. You know, Michael Stipe's lyrics are still strange as ever, but his voice is crisp. He doesn't, it's not impenetrable or fuzzy like in earlier albums. Uh, the band members swapped instruments uh, on different tracks, which gave a lot of inventiveness and perspective. The songs run the gamut in this album, you know, Everybody Hurts, Ignore Lands, big urgent sort of rock thing, to Night Swimming, which is probably oh, my awesome. favorite track they got a big pop radio hit with a uh, man in the moon and yeah. it's got string arrangements by john paul jones of led zeppelin
1: <laughs> uh
5: so it's it's that's, rem that's Not to love no no it's rem becoming full-fledged adults they're all in their 30s at this point and they're like okay that part of our life we loved it but it's now over and now we're moving on uh so it's nostalgic and a little bittersweet and it's it's a gorgeous album for a popular album all around.
0: Since you graduated a year before I did, I can't tell if you were there for this or not. But I think it was either my junior or senior year for the fancy dress ball. Michael Stipe actually crashed it. Yeah. And, and yes. It was, and yeah, my wife, walk.
5: yes. And my wife met him and went up to him, <laughs> him and said, Hi, I'm be- my girlfriend at the time. I'm I'm a big fan. Thank you so much. And he's like, Oh, you know, thank you so much. And I'm like, I said, hi, and I'd like to, and he turned and left. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> thanks. <laughs>
4: We're just about oh, to ask friend. her to come up and listen to some tortoise head.
2: Why, why
5: why are you gonna
4: come in there
2: if you don't want to be greeted, man? I mean yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a bunch of college kids. I had heard somebody
0: goes, Michael, what brings you to what brings you here? And he goes, A Volvo station wagon. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so my pick for round three is gonna be um Joe, you may have heard about this one, but we'll we'll see. This would be Pearl Jams 10 from nineteen
3: ninety one. Good album. Definitely on my I, list. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely adore this album. Shaved it off yeah it's one of those things where it went so grunge landed when i was in college and actually kind of really i didn't get wholeheartedly into it but i liked a lot of it, it wasn't really you know ready for the deep dive into steve miller band territory that my college experience really was when grunge came i was like grabbing onto it like a drowning man with a life preserver I'm like yes 10 was just now my just fantastic i just loved it i mean especially the first six seven tracks are so yeah. so tight a lot of Pearl Jam fans, they feel like the band really kind of became a different band after this, became their yeah. true selves, right? And don't really look fondly upon this album, or at least as much as I do. I just love it so much, I really just kind of stayed sort of trapped in time. Like this this album for me is like Pearl Jam trapped in amber, and I just, I just really love it. I will say my favorite track on this has to be Black, probably one of the, the most powerful lamenting breakup songs ever. Mm, I mean, I, I feel the... I feel the rawness every time. It has been made even more so, and this is not the only song I'll be talking about tonight, that I had the distinct pleasure of hearing my son play with his band during a recital. They start off the beginning chords. I'm like, oh, no way. And he was doing guitar. You know, the whole thing just went on. And I was just so just knocked back. You could have pushed me over with a feather. I was so thrilled just to hear one of my favorite songs again, but also to be singing along to a song my son was playing was a really
1: awesome.
0: really cool experience. So awesome. Um and I just I just love that so much. And so a song I already loved forever, I love double forever. <laughs> so
4: God, I was in high school when this came out. It was funny because once and Jeremy like we were at the age where we were going to each other's houses and hanging out and watching M T V and they were on like every three minutes contractually. Yeah. yeah. And so it got to the point where we would have like we had our own lyrics to once in particular like once there was this you know we'd have like yeah. some story that we would tell along to the <laughs> along to the lyrics it became like this contest you know <laughs> we can come up with so. the next song
2: yeah the, this song this album also has what i consider one of the greatest rock songs in the last 30 years even though from- Oh, yeah. Flow yeah. Is oh yeah, I love that. Song. Flow is so fantastic. <laughs> so,
0: so my brother became an immense Pearl Jam fan. His name is Frank. And so there's like a version of this album, I guess, where there's like an extra track called Dirty Frank. So his yeah. college radio DJ persona was Dirty Frank, you know, and he actually let me come up one time and, and let me spin discs with him. I just have a nice you know memory of going up to see my brother at college being in the radio booth with them, watching them do the radio thing. You know, it was super cool. And this, this was the, this is a nice gateway into all that. So it's just a, an album that will I will always love very very deeply. So
3: I, I love these guys, man. I, I I think they fooled us though. I think they rode in on the grunge thing. Yeah. I think they only dressed the part. I like I, I looked at them as like that album was such a breath of fresh air. Like I loved it so much because it was so different from anything else that was out there. Like initially I was like, oh, I don't know about this, you know, guy singing through his clenched teeth. But uh, it grew on me like so quickly, and I, I absolutely loved yeah. it. But like. Their subsequent stuff. It's like, I think they were a rock band that just, you know, happened to have flannel on at the time and happened yeah. 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 to have some great stuff. But, they were uh, definitely
0: bigger than the movement in which they rose to prominence oh, yeah, for sure. You know, they, yeah. you know. Round four. Tom, lead us off with your pick for round four of Desert Island albums. What have you got for us?
3: I'm I'm shifting gears to, you know, an album that I have to be kind of like in a certain mood to listen to. I know I'm going to be in that mood on that uh, on this desert island. So I'm going with Tapestry, Carole King, 1971. I can't stop listening to this album. Like it is such a classic and it's always been a classic. Like my mom used to play it a lot. And, you know, it's just always been there in my life at some point. And, and, you know, it's just got such classic and well-written songs on it. I love just listening to her, you know, the piano playing and the lyrics and the, the uh, just really real sincerity of this yeah. album, I think, is just so huge. And I, I like my one track that I would have to pluck out of it. I love So Far Away. It's just it's such a heartfelt just proclamation like you know somebody has as you know obviously who is very important has just you know moved away and like who hasn't felt that during their life like really just missing somebody you know doesn't anybody stay in the same place anymore like I love that (laughs) lyric and it just you know I moved a couple of times when I was a little kid and and you know I that that feeling was always sort of with me so
0: now I don't know Carol King and I probably should but how would you describe her music to somebody who is not familiar with 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 her
3: folky, like very piano heavy. Um, if you like, like James Taylor, who, you know, recorded her songs and like, you would love Carole King. They're like almost like musical soulmates, I think. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had uh, concerts together where I've seen them trade off back. But that's another favorite album that I would like to take with me. But she is just such a great songwriter. And, you know, others have recorded her songs and, and you know, brought them to great prom. <laughs>
4: You've heard her stuff from other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: okay. Excellent. All right, so, Mr. Crenshaw, what have you got for round four for us?
2: The year was 1998. (laughs) Fortishead had recently released Roseland NYC Live. (laughs) And the guy that actually played bass on one of my Thunder Round discs introduced me to an album called... Again, this is not... (laughs) my desert island album. and he introduced me to an album called crazy horse mongoose by galactic,
1: galactic.
2: <laughs> or uh a, a new orleans funk band that's been around for you know 25 years now oh and, we'll get into galactic and <laughs> well, oh bill i may be treading on your toes just in a second here
0: <laughs> not, not even not even a little bit not even a little bit you yeah. have no b-
2: b- please <laughs> proceed this is, a, this is an old school funk album, you know, a lot of instrumentals, including like a long one that is just, oh, nasty. So good. Yeah, I, I just sort of listened to this album alone for, you know, almost 20 years. You know, it was, this was my funk album. And, and then I, I heard they were releasing a new one called Into the Deep in 2015. And this is the album, I look, all of Galactic's albums are awesome funk and R and albums, but this is the one I, I just don't think I could live without. Into the deep. Uh, yeah, into the deep. It's it's so good. Uh, oh my gosh. And, and and if there's a if there's a moment of truth, uh, it's the first time that I saw them live. Erica falls, uh, who, who does a lot of the, the vocals for them. Uh, in a, a quiet moment, I, I screamed out from the crowd, I
1: love you, Erica.
2: As <laughs> <laughs> she looked at me, Pointed and smiled. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: this the, the sound is just so good. It's 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 more fun than should be people to have 45 minutes. I wholeheartedly agree it, 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 it's got uh, instrumental funk it's got uh you know crossovers with you know sort of folk rock artists it, uh, it it's got it's got a macy gray tune oh uh, so it, good
1: it,
2: it, it's got my personal theme song buck 77 that plays whenever i walk into a room in my head <laughs> but couldn't recommend it highly enough Chris
0: this album was on my list But it was way in the back Because so I was confident You were going to pick Galactic So I was like I don't want to step on your toes like, this is like, I had this in like reserve Into the Deep is such a great time Everybody should go listen to it It's it's so much fun If you've ever been to New Orleans And seen the live acts That rock the house Every day and night in New Orleans Galactic kind of summons All that energy And and, and it's just there It just transports you there And the songs are so varied They're so good Higher and Higher Is my personal favorite off this I love song. that one that one just drops. And it's like bang, clear the deck. <laughs> it's just like Galactic is in the house. Like, that,
2: D- D was that one for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, I got to got a dance.
0: Oh man, Ch- and 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 uh, Chicken in the Corn is really good too. Yeah? Chicken in the Corn is a slam in tune for being the tenth out of an eleventh yeah, yeah, out of eleven track album. Usually you're spinning down. They're like, no, we're just getting started. <laughs> Derek's
2: head is exploding right this second. He hated that song so much.
0: What Chicken in the Corn? Yeah. Well, d- well, Derek, you're wrong, and and you can't cut this out. Okay, I'm putting an anchor in this one. All right, seriously. Oh my God, you know what? Oh, we have just mind. lost
5: the entire episode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the agony and the ecstasy for Derek because I got he got Susan and the Banshees called out, which is his favorite band of all time, and now he and I are gonna have to lock antlers over chicken in the corn. Which and he, you know he's gonna lose. That's just the way it's, you're gonna lose, Derek. You're gonna moments of truth is hosted by Bill Coffin. I don't listen to any other Galactic because again, like, I'm like, I I'll listen to Galactic. What should I listen to? And then like the little gremlin on my shoulders, like, you know, into the deep is a good yeah. time. Like, I think I'll have that good time. And I just go right into it. It's like, <laughs> there's like eight other albums that I'm sure are great. I wouldn't know. I never listened, never listened to
2: them. I gotta tell you like at least a third of my listens to Galactic are to this album.
4: Yeah. Oh,
0: it's just, it's just so fantastic. Oh man. This, this brings me joy to hear you talk about it. All right, Joe, what have you got for your pick for round four?
4: We are going to 1945, story,
2: um,
4: and we are going to go to the best-selling musical artist of all time, uh, which is not the Beatles and not Elvis, but Glenn Miller, who had more top 10 hits than the Beatles and Elvis combined. In 1945, a year after he died, they released Glenn Miller and his orchestra posthumously. I am such a huge fan of the big band sound. I became a huge fan my grandmother. Oh, had. I, knew, um, I, I tapes of suspected soundtrack.
2: your grandmother would come up.
4: <laughs> yeah, my grandmother had tapes that, she, that, that, that I would listen to over at her house. And I fell in love with Benny Goodman and the Andrews sisters. It's all good stuff though. That is fantastic. fantastic, is. It's, stuff. fantastic.
0: It, it's good stuff.
4: And then um in college, I used to do some um competitive swing dancing with my first wife. Oftentimes, man. this was the kind of stuff that we yeah. listened to. And so off this album, you've got Pennsylvania's uh, Six, five, uh, six five Thousand. You've got In the Mood. You've got uh, String of Pearls, Little Brown Jug, uh, American Patrol. You would know it oh, yeah, if you heard it. Absolutely. Them. Oh, I know.
3: I'm, I'm well familiar, man. Like the fact that my dad had that album in our house it basically let me walk into like my high school jazz band and know all the stuff that they were going to play. Because it was all awesome by Miller.
4: That's, that's <laughs> awesome. There, there are absolutely times that uh, if I am here and I've got to, you know, I'm going to bake cookies or I'm going to get dinner started or I'm going to wash this. I'll just, Alexa, play Glenn Miller and I'll be good to go for as long as I need to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's a fantastic, fantastic choice. And I really, I I know I have to, have to give a big shout out to calling out for something that's so far in advance, like before any of us were born, you know, that's, that's really good stuff.
4: A lot of your stuff is from before I was born. Go ahead. (laughs) Uncalled
2: for red card. (laughs) Seriously. Joe's in a mood tonight. Um, Joe, I, uh, my my grandmother, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother (laughs) we listen to a lot of Well. so yeah Lawrence uh, well, well, you well, know I, I, I get yeah. the big band thing and and that really is a lot of great 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 music and yeah. you hear it all the time everywhere without yeah.
4: and it's fun music I mean and again I also when we were in high school we did a 1940s radio hour where it was you know the wartime mm. music and the canteens it's and just there's this It's funny because there's this sweetness to it and there's this soulfulness to it and there's a sense of, you know, there's sacrifice underpinning all that. And yet at the same time, it's really sexy. Yeah. If you listen to it. Yeah, Yeah, um, it is very
0: sexy music for sure.
4: The good news is there will be dancing lessons on the island. So gentlemen. (laughs) Outstanding. Outstanding. I love it.
0: Outstanding. When I'm not making out with Chris, I'll be dancing with Joe. This is going to be the best island trip ever. I do not need no goddamn (laughs) dancing
3: lessons. I have white guys on an island. Here we go. It's okay, Chris. Yeah, right. (laughs)
0: <laughs> fantastic all right mr swan what have you got for round
5: four for us i don't know how to follow that up um <laughs> everybody in 1998 heard the song one week by bare naked ladies yes everybody right you yeah, know perhaps i spent far more time than i care to admit trying to memorize the lyrics of the song so i could <laughs> regale my wife i don't know um but i I got the album because of that. This whole album is just this sort of quirky alt rock treat. Yeah. But it runs the gamut. There are a lot of quirky songs on it. You know, who needs sleep? It's this frantically funny yeah. song. Be happy with yeah. what you're getting. There's a guy that's been awake since the Second World War. That's like repeated yeah. over and over as like the chorus. <laughs> uh, Some fantastic is the saucesque love song. Uh, but the third song on this album, uh, "Light Up My Room," is this gorgeous ballad. It's achingly beautiful. It's got one of my favorite lyrics: "A field full of tires that is always on fire to light my way home." And yeah. the whole the whole album is it's just a whole hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it, that
0: that's the perfect way to sum up this this band and this album. It is a whole hell of a lot of yeah. fun. It's just... Chris, if
4: we're talking BNL, then uh, "Life in a Nutshell" appears on our wedding uh, <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's I awesome. I adore that. That's awesome.
3: I love that band. My buddy Dan took me to see them for the first time live. Were they like, good live?
0: They were I saw him live I
3: saw him. The, um he so he wore the t-shirt to the concert that says I am the man from Nantucket. And it was just kind of like a joke thing. You know, and he walked in with it, it was like, you know, or we we're 40 plus, you know, guys. And uh they actually put a spotlight on him during a portion of their concert <laughs> they awesome. celebrity sightings, like, look yeah. man from Nantucket. And everybody in the whole Jones Beach uh, Amphitheater looked at the like it was <laughs> It was, great, it was such like a great moment. Awesome. That band. Yeah. They're, they're kind of like a silly band, but they have some really great, great yeah. serious tracks. Like I heard... Yeah. the um, catchy AF. Oh,
1: oh yeah, yeah, they yeah, are.
3: So catchy. I heard one of their mm-hmm. songs in like the background of like an MTV promo and it drove me crazy fig- trying to figure out what uh, what song it was, and like the name of the track is slipping my mind. But like, I had to find this song, and I loved it.
4: I kind of put them in the same headspace as like they might be giants. Yes, yes. I think
0: giant.
3: so. Although, although a little, too late. That's the song. Sorry, okay. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs>
0: I think they might be giants works a little too hard not a little too hard but they just they're they're more in that space of just being weird and quirky and clever for the sake of being weird and quirky and clever whereas BNL has actually got like some some stronger musical chops I think and and yeah, yeah, oh I don't yeah,
5: disagree right. at all, that's what impressed must... me with this whole album was just listening to again the songs they're they're silly and they're fun but being silly and fun is not easy work it's like comedians but they also yeah. great lyrics throughout and the the music uh it's it's just a really well put together. It's like there's a
4: spectrum, right? You got like bare naked ladies, you go to um they might be giants, and then you go to Flight of the Concord. Cul- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flight of the Concords. <laughs> of the Concords. <laughs> that stuff's funny <laughs> like though. Flight
0: of the time. Concords is hilarious. Those guys yeah. are awesome. Those guys are awesome. They're so funny. My pick for round four is going to be The Cranberries, No Need to Argue.
5: Ah, oh, man, almost
1: made
0: it, yeah. An album I absolutely adore. In a way, it's kind of a great extended breakup album. Dolores O'Riordan just, you know, manages to chat, just sort of channels. This is very plainly spoken, but very earnestly felt the pang of a broken heart. And... I listened to this at a time when I was feeling that exact same thing. So she was speaking directly to me, uh, loud and clear, and I really, really loved it. She died tragically and, and uh not long oh. ago, um, and, and it's a real loss to the musical world because she had one of the most beautiful, beautiful, lilting, you know, uh, uh, voices. It was just, just it was, it was like, it was, it was just. Uh, you had to hear it to believe it. The song I love most on this, of course, is "Zombie," which is the track that, which they that was a huge blockbuster, and it's, mm-hmm. it's just an, an incredible, incredible song a great rocking song to begin with. When you know what it's about, then it really takes on a special yeah. gravity because it's all about, you know, just, you know, life in Ireland during the Troubles and being a numb viewer watching from afar as, as carnage unfolds. And, you know, you, you know you're know you walking through as if it doesn't actually matter to you. And it does, you know, that's, that's why the zombie is you speaking to you who watches this and does nothing. It hel- helps to know your history because this album came out in 1994. The Good Friday peace agreement in Northern Ireland didn't happen for another four years. So this yep. song really channels... Um, just the sense of exhaustion that the Irish people were feeling, like they were just, they were done with this. They wanted to move into a peaceful world. That song really brings that out quite, quite amazingly. And I just, I love it. Now, I will say that I had that story with Black where I got to watch my son play that. So the, that whole performance, what I saw first was them play Zombie. He did the lead guitar on that. And so at the, at the end, when you get to that wailing, na 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 na. It just goes on and on, and I honestly, I just sat there and just tears just burst forth from my eyes, just That's ran awesome. down my face, and I was just stunned and just watching him play. And you know, my son is an amazing young man. Um, he's got great stage presence, but he doesn't really act like that walking around. He's got, you know, he's just, he can be very, you know, shy in his way. But he get up on stage and he just just unfolded, kicked this song in the teeth, and I was just like, just so thunderstruck by it. so when black came i was just already a mess i'm like oh. <laughs> you know i'll never get that moment back again but i'll remember it for the rest of my life you know and just hearing him play that so it's so great on a song that i had heard a million times before mm-hmm. absolutely love love to hear again moving on to round five uh tom what have you got for us for round five
3: so I'm gonna to go to 1987, and I'm gonna pick uh, "Tribute," which is the album that Ozzy Osbourne put out um, mm. after Randy Rhodes died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen or watch, you know, some some interviews with Ozzy, you know, from from that era and thereafter it is very clear that he lost a musical soulmate with that uh, crash. Putting out this album, I think, was sort of cathartic for him because you get, like, you know, a, a great live concert, which, you know, has all the versions of, like... The version Crazy Train that is on this album is... That's yeah. the crazy train in my head and not the album version, and there are a few <laughs> songs like that on this, yeah. but uh, you also get, you know, if you got to call out a track, you get like the studio outtakes of a song called D, which was a, a guitar thing that Randy Rhodes did, and dedicated to uh, his wife. It, it, it's, it was just such a great gift to get that because you know you weren't going to hear the guy again he was like the great promise of, you know, the next, uh, guitarist to come up and, you know, life cut tragically short. We missed a lot. So, you know, that, I think that was Ozzy kind of telling us like, you know, this guy was my musical soulmate and we, you know, he's no longer with us and boy, did we miss a bunch by, you know, his life being cut so short. But, uh, I, I love the album. I love to listen to it all the time. It is, it, you know, you get like black Sabbath, you get paranoid, you get, uh, a lot of stuff from the Ozzy, you know, the, uh, Ozzy concerts that were just, you know, so energizing and so terrific. And this is like a concert, like when he was at the top of his game. So uh, yeah. I love it. I love
0: it. You know, Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath are a great big hole in my music listening. I'm just, I, I know I obviously know of them. I just don't know them. So I'm so glad you mentioned this. This will go This will also go on my queue, and I'll, I'll give it a listen. So I can, I can do my homework on these guys. So Chris, what is it? What is your pick for round five?
2: There's been this long-standing idea that everybody loves the music that Was popular when they were eighteen, and and that's when your musical tastes sort of you know fossilize. Yep. And and and. and,
3: and, Chris Rock said it was when you first started getting laid. Uh, Yeah.
4: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like thirty, Chris. Sure,
1: Joe. Sure,
4: Joe. Sure, Joe. Wow.
3: I, I
1: I didn't marry my high school sweetheart. Tonight on, sweetheart. Tonight
2: on Friends Who Hate <laughs> Each Other.
0: <laughs> We're going to sew Joe and Chris into a bag and throw them in the river and see who comes out. <laughs> Whoever dies, we win. Anyway, carry on.
2: <laughs> when when I... My first marriage ended. After a while, I ended up in Florida living with an African-American woman. And, and she was you know, the most beautiful woman in the world and, and awesome. And she exposed me to hip hop music really more than I ever had been exposed ever since I've, I've, I've had like a, you know, a half an ear open to, to the hip hop scene. I'm not a huge fan in general, but what, what has, one of the most kind of surprising things that's happened to me musically in the last year is that I've been led back to the beastie boys. Oh, I, in 1986, when you gotta fight for your right to party released. I was like, well, oh, that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He that, it's, dumb, it's a, a dumb it's, gimmick, it's yeah. yeah.
1: It's, genius. Oh,
2: God. It, it's a fu- album. <laughs> it's a funny video, but it's dumb. I dismissed the Beastie Boys for 30 years. Yeah. More than 30 years. You know, I decided, you know what? They've got a good reputation. There's a number of songs that I I'm familiar with that. I do like you know, sabotage. Sabo-
5: and, I was going to say sabotage. You know, sabotage.
2: I've sort of uh, familiarized myself with the Beastie Boys. Uh, and and I've listened. I've been listening to it a lot. I listen to it on planes, which is really funny. You know, because you, you got to dance when 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 you're listening to the Beastie. Boys. You, you got to move. <laughs> and and so you know i'm constantly you know sort of bopping you know my head and my chair and and my shoulders my hips and i think my favorite beastie boys album is ill communication 1994. it's just so good it's a super strong album oh it's so good but you know the in terms of desert island discs and and the beastie boys have to go on there i think it's paul's boutique from 1989. that's the year i graduated from high school Yeah, good choice. And it has none of my favorite Beastie Boys songs on it. But it is so rich and dense, and I've been preferencing double albums uh, when I can. Even in Rainbows had a bonus disc. In this case, it's just, there's so much to it. You know, there's at least a hundred other songs that are sampled on this album. And if nothing else, I can make a hobby on this desert island of trying to see or figure out where every one of those samples is from.
3: I've seen an article on Paul's Boutique and the sampling and how just over the freaking top it is. And it's great. I mean, they take from everywhere. It's
2: fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, the guys that, that had three years earlier song, you've yeah. got to fight for your right to party. It, it confused the hell out of a
5: lot of fans who were, who are were all about that song. And then they, like, what is what is this? And, but yeah. over the years, that album has only... Grown, it is rich, it is a
2: yeah.
0: rich, rich album yeah. for sure. For sure, Joe. What have you got for for this round?
4: I am going to pivot to something a little bit different and I'm going to go to uh 2002 and I'm going to go to Nora Jones, come away with me. Ooh. Um, which is uh, I just it's it's so smooth, it's um, it's like a milkshake and yeah. you just kind of let it wash over you and um. For me, the, uh, the the track don't know why is the is my favorite track off of it. It's
0: a great track, and it's yeah. just
4: like living inside of a caramel candy. Uh Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it is 2002 is also the year I started dating my my wife, and that song uh, th- that entire album is one that we can put on if the you know I guess it was before the kids were around, but if the kids are you know staying at grandma and grandpa's house, that's the kind of album that might find its way onto the, uh, on the- <laughs> <laughs> Why not Portishead? don't
5: answer that (laughs) because time is precious it's like
4: a Rolodex (laughs) you start flipping through the different responses I could have to that that, (laughs) yup
0: (laughs) I'm imagining the Joe Vision version is like Robocop it goes like the drop down menu for responses and it goes like it's like page one of two
2: (laughs) 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 was sexy (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> no 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 but uh but joe i, I remember we had that album and, and and yeah that was on heavy rotation it was, just a, it was just a great like just yeah it was so smooth it was just there's like no rough edges anywhere on the album and a great piece of music we listened to that
4: hell. i'm not usually a big like r&b fan like i i some yeah, nor like, am i I love, I love some motown stuff and I, yeah. a lot of, but like um and i'm a huge tina turner fan um but and I wanted to put a Tina Turner, Turner album, but there is not a, to me, a definitive Tina Turner album. No, there's- um, if you gave me a greatest hits and you let me have my 10 or 12 favorite tracks of hers, then, 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 you know, okay, yeah. we're in business. Yeah. To me, that album, the, uh, the come away with me is such a um, a wonderful listening experience as an album from start to finish that that's what I'm going to use for my, for my entry in that, yeah. in that genre. It's good
0: stuff. Uh, Mr. Swan, what have you got for this round?
5: The first real mega band of the 80s, I'm talking U2. Yep. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Uh, 1987, curiously. The Joshua Tree. That was my pick. Oh, if I didn't you. go there. There's it, anyone alive <laughs> in the 80s, yeah. anyone who's alive in the 80s n- knows the opening of Where the Streets Have No Name. You sure. had this, yeah. these sustained synthesizers that fade in, like organ music. Uh, it, Forty seconds or so in, yeah. the edges guitar su- suddenly fades in with these chiming arpeggios. Yeah, that
2: defined what I love yeah. in a guitar yeah. sound. That. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, that, yeah.
5: It, it's it's distinct. It's iconic. It's distinct. Oh. It's you get then then the drums come in from Larry Mullen Jr. The sort of martial beat that's that's yeah. not. It's rhythmic, but it it keeps changing it. Adam Clayton with his syncopated bass holding all together and then Bono opens his freaking mouth and this it's its the anthemic sound of this angst ridden angel who is begging with us to just hold on and believe that there is something better, that there is a world without barriers, without divisions, where the streets have no name. Yeah. And yeah. I read not long ago something kind of like my little piece there that was about you two and you're listening to you two and you're probably this like you know white guy in his 40s or 50s and you're driving your corolla and it's just been such a hard day but my god just listen to the song and it's so good and it was making fun of it and at the same yeah. time i was like that's but that's them at their <laughs> i feel <best."> seen <laughs> yeah and yeah and this out al- this album is probably their their most iconic work they did yeah. some of their albums great is- stuff but uh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's to me, um,
4: honestly, Chris, I wanted to do these guys earlier, but I, they side two, it's just, it's too uneven for me. Like, I yeah. love side one of Joshua Tree. Yes. Was, when I was in high school, I like it was, and then you just, you wouldn't yes. flip it to side two. Yeah. You just, as I've gotten older, uh,
5: yeah, I, I've, I've done that too. You know, of all the albums these guys did, just, even yeah. if it was just for that one song, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll pick that. Yeah. Well, you've got, okay, um, I love
4: side two of this album. So yeah. I knew you would. Uh, uh, the. <laughs> I'm gonna look. Hold on, a minute. let me look up. I, I, I. Red <laughs>
2: Hill Mining Town in God's Country. Yes. Through the wires, One Tree Hill, Exit, and Mothers of the Disappeared. No, nah, side two is good.
5: The last two songs, they're good. I could, but yeah, the more I listen to it, yeah, Red Hill Mining Town, yeah, I, I love anything these guys play, pretty much. Yeah.
2: This is uh, we, this is a, a, an all time freedom
0: no doubt about it chris great choice i'm going to go to yet another band nobody's heard of this album is called stan rogers between the breaks live it is from 1979 Uh, stan rogers was a canadian folk singer from the maritime provinces career tragically cut short he died in a plane crash not the way you think Uh, the plane bellied down and it caught fire and he kept going back inside the plane to pull people out and ultimately succumb from smoke inhalation Mm -hmm. saving people from the plane big burly sea shanty singing dude and uh when i was in college a friend of mine and i uh would get together just to share tunes and he was from canada neil mckenzie uh he played bagpipes he was a real character i love
4: neil he was <laughs> yeah, really neil, cool wait, his name is yeah, yeah, neil, and he neil, was from canada
0: yeah he played back well he was from yeah he was from cape Breton nile he spoke gaelic so he was he was he was the deal but he also experienced you know exposed him to to this album and this album is like it's like 44 minutes long this is a short live album them them playing at this place this place called the groaning board <laughs> it's like that's a D tavern if there ever was one yeah, right it's, it's, it's so good you know or maybe shakespeare oh yeah, yeah maybe shakespeare <laughs> right you know but it just starts with the song called the witch of the west maryland and it just tells a story of this wounded knight on the field, he gets this Owlet lands and is like, yeah, that, that wound's not going to clean itself, but you need to get yourself to the Witch of the Westmoreland. She'll, she'll, she'll take care of you. It's just all about him just trying to go through the supernatural journey to heal. It starts with that, moves on to a song uh-huh. called Barrett's Privateers, which is a fantastic song about these... These Canadian sailors, real late 1700s, who kind of get roped into, you know, they thought they're going to be sailing for American gold, you know. That's what they thought, you know. We'd fire no guns, shed no tears. But they get looped in this privateering thing and just get their asses handed them. And it's just this this angry song about how they, you know, they all got wrecked. And the songs are kind of like that. But my favorite song in this is probably the song he's known best for. It's called The Mary Ellen Carter. It's a fictitious song about she went down last October in a pouring, driving rain. The skipper he'd been drinking and the mate he felt no pain too close to the Three Mile Rock, and she was dealt her mortal blow, and then Mary Ellen Carter staggered low. And it, it's about these guys on the ship that they worked on, and it sinks, and how, you know, they know where the ship is, it could be salvaged, but the owners basically write her off, like, yeah, no, we got our insurance money, we're not going to have it. And these the story is about these guys, like, we thought of her all winter, couldn't get out of her head, and so these these working dudes just mount their own salvage effort to get this, this boat up off the water so they can bring it home again, because... We couldn't leave her there, you see, to crumble into scale. She's saved our lives so many times living through the gale. I go back to this again and again when I feel the need for some inspiration. And it's, you know, and you to whom adversity has dealt the final blow with smiling bastards lying to you everywhere you go. Turn to and put out all your strength of arm and heart and brain. And like the Mary Ellen Carter, rise again. Rise again, rise again, though your heart it be broken and life about to end. No matter what you've lost, be it a home, a love, a friend like the Mary Ellen Carter rise again. This is as folky as folk gets, and I am <laughs> there for awesome. every minute of it. I love this album. Always will. Stan Rogers, Between the Breaks Live, 1979. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. I adore it. Oh.
3: I've never heard of this and I'm looking forward to Me hearing either. this on the uh, on the playlist. Cause, yeah. There's a song
0: in, in the middle of it that's hilarious. It's called the White Collar Holler about this about these guys sing about how tough it is to hold an office job. <laughs> it's, <just> like, <laughs> it's, it's so it's so goofy, you know. I love storytelling. I'm not
2: songs, wrong. they they're just they, they can be so great.
0: Last round, best round. We're gonna start. Tom, round six, go.
3: 1980. ACDC back in black
0: oh, Tom came to kill somebody <laughs>
3: uh, oh, man. So, so I graduated from high school in 1990 mm-hmm. and you know we, we had to uh, pick a song that was going to be our class song and uh, we sat in the library with the rest of the senior class and just argued over like what what's the most kick-ass song that we can think of and it ended up being you shook me all night long after mm-hmm. after much debate so like that song's already got a special, you know, spot in my heart because it was, you know, our, our senior song. I, I think AC/DC was one of like the first hard rock bands I can ever recall listening to. And Bon Scott's death was probably the first rock star death that like hit me in any way. I mean, I was 10. So, you know, like, yeah,
1: you
3: know, it it hit me because like everybody's like, oh, ACDC, you know, a few months later, it was like, oh, ACDC is going to come out with an album. Do we think they can get back to where they were? this album just delivered and, and i love it and yeah. you know there's so many great tracks on it and like to see shoot the thrill like show up in the entrance of the second iron man movie Now, yeah. like i can't listen to the song without awesome. you know, dodging the fireworks jumping out of the airplane i mean like <laughs> classic that just stuck with us all these years and i just yeah. i can't live without it my kids request this album when we're in the jeep you know oh like, that's oh, awesome baby, baby, baby. Yeah, they love it so. that, that,
0: that's proper jeeping music I'd, I'd say
5: I hear that song and I hear Robert Downey Jr. going your move reindeer games and it's just for some, my inner geek just explodes with love like I, yeah that, it's awesome
2: all right Chris what have you got for round six a band I came to really late called uh Sparkle Horse in 2001 they released an album called it's a wonderful life and Sparkle Horse isn't so much a band as they are this Dude from North Carolina and Nelson County, Virginia, and some other instrumentalists. The, 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 this is this guy is like a Shaggy Otis type. You know, he's multi instrumentalist. He writes the songs. He sings. "It's a Wonderful Life" is poetry set to words. Uh, you listen to this song on, a, on headphones, and this guy is breathing into your ear. It's one of the most personal and beautiful experiences i think that you can have with music it's it's just it's it's gorgeous he it, it, it go it there, there's rock in it folk and there's country and it's just gorgeous it, it, it's beautiful and it gives me goosebumps
0: oh man i i i, I so i'm gonna have to look at this one too okay you you mentioned sparkle horse before and and i know you you really quite enjoy them so yeah
2: it was, sparkle horse uh they they do a cover of wish you were here which is my personal favorite song oh, that oh man that is almost better than the original
0: you know that's a high call yeah. I, I had in reserve Wish You Were Here as one of my one of my albums uh, yeah and for that song that song yeah. is one of the greatest drunken sing-along songs ever
2: <laughs> everybody knows the chorus yep <laughs> and Tom Waits uh does lead vocals on that tune on this yeah. on this album and Tom Waits is a guy who uh, I don't know you could do an album an episode of this podcast on him if anybody wanted to which you don't know. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm expecting Joe to come in with a hard comment. Also, <laughs> it's been that kind of night.
5: A non-comment <laughs> is a comment all by itself. <laughs> no, 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 no. Joe, Joe
2: declines to speak. Tom Weeds yeah. is is like the most uh, divisive Sorry, I m- musician I can think of. Like some of his stuff is like aggressively, like hard to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but but he's also kind of a genius, you know. Yeah. The yeah.
4: No sin. And- Take off a skin. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Good stuff.
0: Uh Joe, what what have you got for this round?
4: No, I want to go to 1985 and I want to do uh Brothers in Arms. Yeah. Oh, right. oh
0: yes. Good call. Good call. Uh,
4: too. And for me, it is uh it is the title track, Brothers in Arms. Yes. All time Yes.
0: Favorite
4: yes. Favorite. Um, I mean it was already one of my favorite songs, and then the use of it actually in the West Wing, which is my favorite yep. show when they use it. Um, that was and, great uh, you know it's but it's to me it's just it is an absolutely beautiful song and there's other fantastic stuff of course on money for nothing and other yeah. stuff that's all you know what, mark so, Knopfler yeah, is, is uh, uh, a geordie
2: <laughs> joe um he's from newcastle england and one of his songs is the team's theme song a tune called local hero yep his guitar playing is just outstanding he I is love that. a genius yes he yeah. is yeah.
0: We were fools to make war on our brothers in arms. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. That that lyric just lands so on point. Oh, <laughs> God. That album. And, and I, that's one of the first CDs I got. I remember when, yep. you know, when CD technology came around, it, it landed at the time when like you really wanted to choose strategically, like, all right, what's oh, yeah. going to be yeah, so, the foundation of my I'm new expensive. collection, right? And, and yeah, they're, they're, you couldn't afford to get every album <laughs> yeah. you wanted to. And that was one of those, those albums where I didn't consider myself a Dire Straits fan, although, again, I heard them often – you know, on the radio, heard Romeo and Juliet, and 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 a mm-hmm. whole lot. Of, whole
1: oh, I stuff. love that song so <laughs> much. Love, oh. Oh, God. Oh, oh man, that as so long great.
0: It was like one of those word of mouth. Like, look, man, if you want to, if you want to seriously enjoy music, you should just get this album and just thank us later. And I was like, all right, I forget who told me, but I got it. And was so glad, and I listened to that hard, 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 hard. It was a, just a real. And I own no other Dire Straits albums. I think, I think I probably got money for nothing, which is their best of, which came out shortly after. Mm-hmm. But that, that's yeah. it. I didn't get anything else of theirs.
4: The guitar intro to Brothers in Arms to me is one of, like there. There are a handful, five or ten songs that have an intro yeah. that so just is spine tingling. Yeah. yeah, and I put that in that same category. Could not agree with Joe.
0: Fantastic, excellent choice, Joe. Excellent choice, uh, Mr. Swan. What have you got for round six?
5: Twenty fourteen. Taylor Swift, 1989, buddy of mine, Brian Panowich, who writes crime thrillers, uh, better writer than I am. He's this sort of gruff bearded, like firefighter. He wanted to be Springsteen uh, back in the day. He would die in this hill of the house. She's one of the great artists. Now everybody, yeah. everybody's freaking out about folklore. And now I think uh, Evermore new the, the last two albums she came out with, but 1989 just kicks, just every song yeah. on that. It's just, they're really well put together. The, the hooks the the lyrics yeah uh, it, it's not it's easy to make fun of hers writing songs about breakups no way eh, it's worse than like but there's legitimate heart in a lot of these songs and yeah. the composition of them it's great she's you know Ryan Adams you know former indie darling you know famously covered the entire album and it's still going on and on and on about it and how it that seemed like that was really cool now it's now yeah. it's more like sonic stalking. <laughs> because of his his history coming out, but yeah, he, yeah. He, he's right. A mad scientist had cloned a country pop star crossover. Yeah, and then she grew up, and this is her first album after she sort of she's like, okay, I am now yeah. fully done with that iteration of my life.
0: She's a towering talent. There's a whole mechanism out there of people who just love to try to marginalize young female talent who yes. are beautiful. Who are highly have a highly manicured um, image as Swift does, you know, very yep. very present uh, on social media and that sort of thing. And so you know, the thing is just it, the thing is just to, just to tear the person down. But she's she's proven remarkably resilient against all that. So yeah, right, yeah, just yeah. So I'm hugely hugely respectful of just the fact that she's taken everything that that machine has thrown at her and and just like swatted it aside. And it, that's that's pretty awesome.
2: It is hard to come out of it. Uh, well, it used to be hard to come out. Of an interactual economy at West, looking.
4: I, I look at her as like she's like a latter day Joni Mitchell meets Janis Joplin. And if you merge the two of those two things together, that's yeah. that's what you mm-hmm. get. You get sort of, you know, that it's a soulful bubblegum pop with just a touch of an edge. Yeah. And, and I, I, I listen to it all the time. And, you know, yeah. my wife laughs at me and I say, go ahead and laugh. And her former manager
5: or producer, like, has the rights to that's all of her old songs. Song.
1: That's why she so re yeah. right recorded every. Yeah. She's
5: like, baller. Ah, her, here you go.
1: Yeah. She, and How I'm like, about that's that? <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, yeah.
0: and, and her, her fans of which my daughter is an ardent one. I'll, point out were hip to that. And they're like, right. And there was like a movement amongst her fan base. Like, all right, everybody stream this, not, not that, that. Yeah. You, you know, and I thought that was really cool. The fan base, you know, to really, to really make sure that that got properly supported, you know, and that was but really amazing move.
5: There's just not that many pop stars now at summit who write their own songs, their own lyrics produce, yeah. it, have the image and then can change it up. And yeah, yeah. she continues to do it. She's, she's awesome.
0: Uh, all right. So for round six, Joe, should I, should I pick one that again, nobody has heard of, or should I pick something that's got some name recognition? What do you think?
4: I'm not sure you know the difference. <laughs> yes. that's, said if I if were
0: you. That's true. All right, fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna pick, pick Portishead. I'm, gonna, pick <laughs> I'm okay. gonna make a point of of not picking Sticks, which I really should because they're they're such a huge fan of <laughs> mine. But you know what? Screw it. You guys don't get Sticks, okay? Instead, you get. I not um,
3: Sticks. I don't know what you're talking about. Gee.
4: Yeah. Oh, no, he means we don't get it. Like he's not gonna. He, get yeah, it he doesn't. Yeah, you don't. You can't. We're going to island. desert <laughs> island. You can't <laughs> come sail away.
5: The no,
0: no. <laughs> 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 these are oh, okay. Yeah. On yeah. Our wayward sons. Yeah. Yeah. like these he's are trolling i <laughs> just trolling <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. plus if I had to deal with Dennis DeYoung's Broadway antics on an island I would find yeah. a coconut crab and beat him to death with it I'm like come on man
4: where are you going to plug in your Mr. Yeah, Roboto
0: exactly <laughs> no I'm going to go with uh, another this weird one you guys haven't heard of but her name is Zoe Keating Zoe Keating is an independent artist she's from Canada lives in Vermont now she plays the cello but she's a techie and she plays, she's one of these people where she plays a cello and she has like this foot pedal and she kind of hits it and she loops herself on top of herself. So she sounds like a whole small orchestra, but she's playing all, but she does it She does it like live in real time and she's playing all these multiple pieces and it's just this really awesome orchestral sound that this very, very rich, it just sounds like nothing else. And it's really, really fantastic. Album of hers that I like this so much is called Into the Trees. It was like her big breakout album, 2010. It kind of caught fire virally. It's pretty cool. The track off of that I like the most is called "Optimist." But honestly, "Optimist," like any of the tracks on this album, they do not stand out on their own. It's it, it feels more like a piece. It's purely instrumental. It's just a big. It's like just a big block of luxurious. Uh, sound but I love this album for a couple of reasons it's very personal for me 2010 was kind of like my rebuilding year after I had an immense personal tragedy in 2009 this was an album that was kind of like me feeling like I was throwing my, my my arms open to the world again and learning to enjoy things again and I found this album and really loved it and this is one of those things that it was on heavy rotation when I was commuting into the city it felt terrible this album made me see the light again Joe and Chris will especially appreciate this it was just for me perfect writing music and I can just put this on and get in and get in my zone like really well and I wrote a large chunk of my Pax Britannia trilogy easily all Pax Britannia and probably half of Pax Arcadia Listen to this album and it's not like the album tells a story that ended up being told in my story it's just it's just a sound that it, it just engaged mm-hmm. me, got me in the wavelength that I needed to be on and it didn't distract me and just, I just had this symbiotic relationship with this album and I, and I still do and I just love it. And if I just need to put on something I can listen to and enjoy, it's there for me and I, I really, I really which, like it.
4: Which one of her albums again? Tell me. This please. is called
0: Into the Trees. Into got the it. Trees. Okay. They, they, she has another one called One Cello Times 16, Natoma, but really Into the yeah. Trees is the one I listen to hard. I will say she has an EP that just came out. It came out a little while ago called Snowmelt, which is rather mm-hmm. short. It's, Achingly beautiful, but very, very, very sad to listen to because she um, she's on social media a fair bit and uh, very publicly talked about her husband's death from from cancer and how mm-hmm. they got jerked around by the healthcare system and all sort of stuff and and you know she was kind of mourning very publicly you know with her fans and it was really hard to watch because and just hard like you you felt for her you know you very much shared her pain and. Snowmelt was the first thing she. But she's done a ton of. By the way, she's done a ton of soundtrack stuff as well. She's done a ton of stuff for TV shows, so that she's doing quite well there. But Snowmelt felt like a very personal musical comment about life after losing her husband, and you, you feel that in that music, and it really it really lands. It's beautiful, but it, it is hard to listen to sometimes. It's very very sad. But Into the Trees isn't that emotionally weighted. It's just a fine album. It's just a beautiful soundscape, and I love going back to it.
4: I, I have to say, Bill, I pulled up her Wikipedia page, um, and <laughs> Under music career, the first sentence is my new favorite sentence on Wikipedia. It says, Keating performed from 2002 to 2006 as second chair cellist in the cello rock band Rasputin. Yes. (laughs) And so I am now here for it. Like the whole genre of cello Not rock band. Not first cellist, but second. That's yeah, yeah second yeah, that's cellist. Right. How <laughs> many, <laughs> many cellists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing the power first politics of Rasputina
0: now. were just blood curdling. You
4: know? <laughs> <laughs> I also love the name Rasputina. You know what I mean? Like that's. It was just, speaking of getting put in a bag and thrown in the river, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I mean,
0: <laughs> exactly. Some bassoonist comes by and wants to get involved. Like you need to step the f out this door, buddy. Okay. <laughs> this
4: is a cello, is a rock, cello band. rock band. I'm sorry, classical cellist. No. Yeah, no exactly. You know.
1: Fuck.
2: So Madison McFerrin, the uh, the daughter of Bobby McFerrin, is making music much like what you described. She's not a cellist, but yeah. She she's doing performative stuff and, and she's resampling herself yeah, in uh-huh. real time. Yeah, it, same it's, thing. It's yeah, fascinating. It's yeah. It was it, really it's really fascinating to listen to.
0: Yeah, it it requires a really interesting skill set of just I mean, she's a great cellist, but also just having that technical acumen. And I think just the ability to think in that way, we can just you know loop your sound back on top of itself, and it's not just this linear progression. And things come and go, and it, and she creates a unique set of sounds because of the way the loops come in and out. And it's it's just unlike anything else. I really I really love it. Well, look, that is the end of round six. Let's do a quick thunder round so we can walk through all of our, our reserves. You know, so uh, and I'm just having too much fun to stop. So, but I know I don't want to give Derek a heart attack. He's like, this uh, this episode was 14 hours long, man. What do you want me to do? Tom, walk us through some of your your, your alternates real quick.
3: All right, uh, I had to take a Pink Floyd album. Chris, I, I, you know, I wanted Dark Side of the Moon, too, but I chose Pulse because you get ah. the live version, which I actually prefer now to the recorded version. And, uh, you know, a, a bunch of other great stuff that, you know, they haven't played live in a long time, but. I saw
2: them on that tour.
3: Ah, that was the Division Bell tour. Awesome. Fear, Toe of the Wet Sprocket, 1991, loved the album. Mm-hmm. I had to take a Stones album with me, so Sticky Fingers from 1971, <laughs> my favorite Stones track on it. Bitch. I love that song, it's so yeah, awesome. yeah. Uh, houses of the holy 1973, Led Zepp. Oh, so um, good. The, the one album that I had on there that nobody's really heard of is an album by a band called Every Avenue, and the album is called Shh, Just Go With It. It is a master class on power pop rhythm guitar, and I can't stop listening to it. Really? I, I just could not take it out of the collection. So uh check it out. Like that that'll be a good one for the um for the
2: playlist.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Chris, walk us through your 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 list of
2: alternates. Okay. Uh physical graffiti. Les Zeppelin. Um
1: <laughs> good choice. Uh, good so choice. good. good and,
2: choice. And it's got my favorite Zeppelin song, the like what? 13 minute long in my time of dying, 11 minutes. It's, it's so good, it, th- this is where my, my blues stuff came from. That's then Electric Holy Firewater, all one word, by the Eli Cook Band. This is my choice that you've never heard of. This kid uh, is from uh, Nelson County, Virginia, and he is an astonishingly talented blues guitarist. He's, he channels Jimi Hendrix all the way through this album, which is—it's like this—it's uh, grunge mixed with Jimi Hendrix and Audio Slave. Ooh, it's—it's it's unreal. I—I I, I can't recommend it highly enough. And you're going to ha- have trouble finding it, but I can provide. Um, <laughs> Blue Screen Life by Pinback. Pinback is a San Diego band that they're they're like yes, mixed with the Beatles. It's it's prog rock with it's it's math rock. It, it, every song is unique. They don't have a particular sound, but uh, listen to Blue Screen Life and you'll love it. There's a track called Boo that I think is fascinating any one of nothing shocking ritual below ritual or strays from Jane's addiction. Mm. Those are all fantastic Ugh. albums, uh, that I, I, I can't, I will never stop listening. To. ritual. There's is so, so good. Three days is like
1: a three odyssey days is
2: my oh.
0: odyssey in 10 minutes, man. That song is like, Oh man, shut the door. Nobody better disturb you for the next
2: 10 I, minutes, man. So, That's, I love long rock songs. Yeah. So I, I wish yeah. you were here. In my time of dying, three
4: days. Oh, three days. So <laughs> oh,
0: excellent. Love it. Joe, walk us through your alternate list.
4: Yeah, quickly. I'm going to say uh, Phil Collins' Hello, I Must Be Going from 1982. I'm going to throw down.
0: Now, is that the one that's got the drum break? Like the drum break?
4: No. That's no, no jacket, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. No, that's earlier, I think. Um, that's earlier. Yeah. But anyway, this one, Like China, is actually my favorite song off of um, off of this one. But um, Survivor's Vital Signs from 1984. Uh, because I good. am cheese, which also leads me to Chicago 17 because I'm cheese. Um, uh, Chicago, Chicago 17 is a great album, though. It's a great album. It's cheesy as hell, and I'm when here for it. Um, and it will, to will complete that cycle Journey's Escape from 1981.
0: Yes, yeah, good one. Howard
4: Jones, Dream into Action from 1985 uh, is an album that I adore. And then the last two, Aerosmith. Uh, my favorite Aerosmith album is uh, Get a Grip from 1993. Which I there's better Aerosmith songs um, out there. Um, it is not the best Aerosmith, but I really enjoy that that phase when they just moved into sort of this really sort of pop phase to what they were doing. I mean, Dream On to me is still the best Aerosmith song that ever mm-hmm. that ever was. But I I take that back. Obviously, after...
5: what's that? <laughs> obviously, I think he said. Oh, obviously,
4: well, I mean, <laughs> Dream On
2: is the greatest rock anthem ever. Maybe like like what 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 competes with it? Mm-hmm. smokes that's <laughs> that's dream. a whole other podcast. that's yes, another man. that's
4: the exact that's whole <laughs> whole other, so, the, the last one that i'll pick um because i can't have greatest hits volume one and two i'll take billy joel as the stranger because it's his
0: oh there it is there we go i was waiting for it thank you for, for that that's that's dramatic tension for you folks that's how you have it done <laughs> see Joe Pace, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You kept, kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time. I'm like, is he going to get away with just that little offhand comment at the beginning and then give me give me nothing? Like, no, nothing at all? Like, no. So Joe, Joe delivers. Chris, what have you got for, for, for your alternate list?
5: Prince and Revolution, Purple Rain. That got been up in 1984. Although, if there was an album of his live performance of "While My Guitar Gently Weeps, <laughs> I, would, I would smuggle... Yeah, that... That just... That is I the best go. live
2: performance of all
1: time.
5: I Sweet go. Be- because we don't Jesus have that, that, we're gonna the closest thing we got is Purple Rain. Um, Sting, The Soul Cages, nineteen ninety-one. A, con- a good one. Concept album about the death of his father. Fleetwood Mac, Rumours, from nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah.
1: Come well, on, somebody man. wrote. Somebody to Yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> the fact that such a dysfunctional group could create this masterpiece is something about the human need to create art. Um, yeah. Anything with Beethoven's Ode to Joy on it, because I want that to play <laughs> at my funeral. That's amazing. And yeah, then my yeah. last one, live throwing copper from 1995, post grunge, Nirvana kind of has gone away. And then you get these guys with this album. It was in heavy rotation everywhere. Lightning crashes is this awesome power ballad and very, very brief story. I coached girls soccer back in the nineties. I was driving a van full of girls to a game. This song played in the radio and I had a van full of teenage girls singing at full volume, the line, her placenta falls to the floor. am not going to forget that.
0: So, <laughs> Nor should you ever. <laughs> no. We've
3: forgotten.
0: So. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. My alternate list here. Uh, yes, Sticks is there. Um, I guess, you know, I would like to, Come Sail Away, the anthology probably be the, the smartest choices because it got the most songs I want to listen to. But I think um, it, Sticks is one of those groups that I love them very much, but every one of their albums, like I tune out half of what's on any album. So there's so that's kind of impossible to choose. But if I had to choose, I'd go with Pieces of Eight because as I get older, I appreciate the Tommy Shaw sticks much more than Dennis DeYoung sticks. And that one has uh, Blue Collar uh, Man and it has Renegade, which is the greatest karaoke song of all time. I'm also going to go with The Who. Uh, from 2019, the Gerig, the Who is a. <laughs> I know you guys haven't. Heard, yeah, Chris now This was on my
2: list. I, I have. The this Who
0: is you guys? The Who is like a Mongol, a a, a a Mongolian. They're from Ulaanbaatar. A Mongolian like folk metal band that like Bell-O-Lan. sings in Mongolian, and it's just like it's like if Genghis Khan walked out of the TARDIS and started just a jamming metal band, they'd be the Who, and it is. Freaking unstoppable! It is
2: so you've got to watch the videos because yeah. the, the the instruments that they play they're like traditional instruments when they're yeah they're like playing. traditional Mongolian and, instruments and, and and it looks like they're like D artifacts
0: yeah you know these guys they're just like one of those things like only in the internet age could a mongolian like folk metal band somehow get noticed and make it big and they have they're not like heroes back in mongolia but they're just like freaking awesome and what i love about this this album i listened to a lot of metal and stuff growing up but as i'm getting older like the harsher things i used to listen to like ministry and white zombie and anthrax and all that they just don't i just like it's just too much i just i just you know i'm not that angry anymore but the who is got, <laughs> but the who has got it's like a a, a real Richness to it. It's, it's it's not just pure aggro They're they're tapping into something very primal. Freaking love it. It's really um, neat. It's really it's really neat.
3: Raise your hand if you thought he was gonna say quadruphonia though. um yeah,
2: yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know, I know. A, no, I know.
5: Tommy. I had, <laughs> yeah. Five seconds. I had Roger Daltrey dressed up like a Mongolian, like trying to. Figure yeah, but why? Like, yeah, real, that really yeah. surprises yeah. me. he's going with
2: Tommy.
0: <laughs> so also on the list, I'll take 1994's uh, "When I Woke" by Rusted Root. Which is a a neo hippie crunchy granola band best known for their song "Send Me on My Way." Mm-hmm. However, uh, Joe, I I appreciate your thing about about Nora Jones. This is an album that I just I really liked it. It was a good fun album actually. Uh, but this is also the album I was playing uh, when I first started dating Allison. So I I I, I will always think very fondly of it. You know, you know the song "Beautiful People" was playing when we first kissed. So it's a it's a it's a great oh. album. It Always will be there. So. Oh. Uh, Def Leppard's Pyromania, 1983. <laughs> it is it does. a wow. straight up... I mean, if you want if you want asses to be kicked, this album will kick that ass, yeah. right? It is fantastic. But also very special to me because my cousin Sue bought this for me for Christmas that year. She decided, Bill, you're 13. It's time for you to start figuring out some really cool music because your parents aren't going to do it for you. Uh, <laughs> I'd gotten a Walkman that Christmas. and so She goes, I'm going to get two albums to start you off. She got me Genesis, Genesis, and Def Leppard Power Mania. She's like, I'm not sure which way you're gonna go. Maybe you like them both, but enjoy. Power is the one I played first. Rock, Rock, Till You Drop is not one of Def Leppard's biggest songs, but it's it's in my heart because I listened to it and my skin blew off my skull. I was like, what is this? And it just photograph, opened Photograph, man.
3: It, you know, <laughs> no, 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 photog- no.
0: Photograph is a better song. Photograph's <laughs> a better song, and Rock of Ages moved the world. But yeah. for me personally, Rock, Rock, Till You Drop was, I'll never forget being in my room listening to it. And it just completely shattered me. I was like, holy crap. It just, it, it opened a door. It was so, it was so fantastic. So love that album. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Mother's Milk, 1989. If you're in that space, I was, man, the bass line to higher ground is, <laughs> it's like a call to arms. It's like, filthy. It's filthy. Filthy. <laughs> filthy. Like, let's do something. Oh, my God. There was a lot of slap bass going on, late 80s and early 90s. Oh, but yeah. nobody, but nobody could touch Flea. Flea. He was just... Nice. The, the man. So fantastic. Uh, the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band, 1967. It's my personal favorite. I just adore it. It's just so fantastic. I know we've already had a lot of love for Led Zeppelin. For me, it would be Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, the very first one.
1: Oh. And Again,
0: it's more because I was getting my CD collection going. I decided... And I always heard a lot of Zeppelin on the radio. I was like, I gotta start the collection. I had enough yeah. money for Led Zeppelin 1 and 2. And for a long time, those are the only two I listened to. So I just, I just love... Led Zeppelin, just because that's that's the one I had, so I listened to it. But it's just a fine album, a oh, yeah. fine album. It's so, so they made good. a lot of
2: fine albums.
0: They really did. Peter Gabriel's Secret World Live, nineteen ninety four, not known as his best thing, but it came off of. Uh, that was the live album that supported his last album, Us. It's all about failed relationships, going estranged with his daughter, that sort of thing. Uh, but there's just a, but that album is as close as you're going to get to a Peter Gabriel best of that, that's worth listening to. It's fantastic. And then two others that are not as well known as uh, a band called Rival Sons, hard driving, classic rock type hard rock. They sound like they've been around since the 70s, but they're they're still pretty new. And uh, they have an album called Great Western Valkyrie from 2014. And that is just like that is the music you want playing when you get into your first bar fight. It's just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. It's so good. And then i gotta throw out one uh to a, a very good friend of mine um i'm a big fan of uh supporting supporting your friends who are in the arts and, and doing their thing and a guy who's been on the show sean Moynihan, who is a dear dear friend of mine he is also a professional musician he, he and his, his long time uh partner they're they, they they're now working under the name brother dynamite and their album uh, if We Dare is is going to drop sometime this year, so keep your eyes peeled for it. It's going to be fantastic. I've gotten to hear some of the tracks in development, and they're
5: fantastic. It's so good.
0: But until you can hear that, I would recommend you go to another one of his old bands, which is Save Pluto and their album Age of Lowered Expectations, which has the delightfully named song <laughs> Worst Song Ever, right in the middle of it, and it makes me laugh every time. Uh, Sean, I love you. You're a great musician. Keep making music, man. And uh, that rounds out my list. So... I think that brings us to the end of our thunder and lightning rounds, so with that, before we wrap up, a final thought. If you ask anybody much over the age of 40, they're likely to tell you that music today is crap, total crap, absolute crap, and they don't just make music like, that, like they used to, right? Now before you nod your head in agreement, you have to ask yourself this, why? How can every 40-year-old living memory all think the same thing and still be right? The answer is, of course, that they're not, but what really is going on here? A 2019 Psychology Today article explained that our musical tastes, as Chris had mentioned earlier, begin to solidify when we're about 13 or 14, and they get pretty well locked in place by our early 20s. By the time we're 33, most people stop exploring new music altogether. There was a 2015 study of US Spotify users and it showed that on average, new popular music gets less and less play with users the older they get. And once people's tastes mature in their 30s, that's kind of all she wrote. Case in point, Uh, If a song was released while you were in your teens, it's likely to remain popular in your age group for the rest of your life. And to prove it, in 2018, uh, economist Seth Stevens-Davidowitz analyzed more Spotify data, and he saw that Radiohead's Creep was the 164th most popular single amongst 38-year-old men. But among 28-year-old men, the song didn't even crack the top 300. So seriously, what the hell's going on here? Well, one of the reasons for this is what they call the mere exposure effect. The more familiar we get with something, the more we tend to like it. Teenagers tend to spend a lot more time listening to music than older adults and thus tend to get exposed to a lot more to enjoy. Once you get a job, a family, all that stuff, your ability to put in time exploring new music tends to diminish. Moreover, older listeners often fall back to music they already like because music is a very powerful way to evoke memories, both good and bad. We talked about this in the show quite a lot. The older you are, the more that an old favorite can really deliver something, you know, emotionally, psychically, that a new tune just can't compete with. Nostalgia is a powerful thing. I mean, heck, some people even build entire podcasts around them. <clears throat> Anyway, we live in an age when we have you know more easy access to more music than ever before, so you would think that people should be trying all kinds of new stuff, right? The thing is, is that all that choice tends to create musical paralysis when you can't decide which of the 25 new albums you've never seen before that you want to listen to, so you just play an album you've already bought in three different formats over the years because you know what it is. But listening to new music is so worth the effort. While aging ears might not be able to appreciate the finer sonic qualities of new music, according to john hopkins medicine putting the time in to appreciate a new band or album helps to reduce anxiety and blood pressure it improves sleep quality mood mental alertness and memory music is good for your brain but more importantly music is really good for your soul if you're one of the lucky ones who experiences chill bumps when listening to a particularly moving song then you know what i mean and if you're not Go put on your headphones and listen to a favorite album in a dark room sometime to remember exactly why you fell in love with that music in the first place. It's cool to keep listening to the music that has guided and sustained us for so long. Just don't make the mistake of thinking that the music you like is the only music you can enjoy. Spotify and Apple Music each have more than 70 million tracks on them. The best music you never heard is most definitely out there. Go find it. You'll be glad you did. On behalf of myself, Tom, Joe, Chris, and Chris, this has been Moments of Truth. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Moments of Truth is hosted by Bill Coffin, Chris Crenshaw, Tom Hespos, and Joe Pace. This podcast is edited by Derek Eisenhart. The Moments of Truth theme is a mashup of The Clermont by Flash Fluherty and a little help from a Texas Instruments Speak and Spell. For more moments of truth, be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And for hundreds of additional write-ups of my favorite movies, please visit
1: BillCoffin.com.